do. Okay, Matthew 16, uh, we're going to go 1 through 12, but I will start uh, at verse 5. The, dis- the disciples reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the leaven, the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they were discussing among themselves, oh, we didn't bring any bread. And aware of this, Jesus said, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Because we don't have any bread, Jesus. That's why we're discussing it. Don't you understand yet? Don't you remember? Remember the five loaves for the 5,000 or or the the however many loaves for the 4,000. Why is it you don't understand when I told you beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees that it wasn't about bread? Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. This is God's word. So uh, last week, last passage, Jesus reaffirmed God's promises, uh, the pattern of God's promises to the Jew first. And Marvin, hey, welcome to Tonkawa. Good to see you. (laughs) The pattern uh, of the gospel to the Jew First, and also to the Gentile, he delivers the Canaanite woman um, from a demon and then feeds over 4,000 um, Gentiles with just a few loaves of bread and fish. So we have a bread story preceded by several other bread stories, and it leads into, if you can believe it, another bread story. Okay? So carb up, people. All right? So the Pharisees and the Sadducees approach Jesus, verse 1. So strangely, uh, both groups come, come to Jesus. Um, if you just kind of grow up reading the Bible and hearing, you know, you think Pharisees, Sadducees, they're all bad. Well, and they're all the same. They're not the same. Okay, Pharisees and Sadducees are like Democrats and Republicans. Like, they are, they are way off. Okay, they're, they're not the same. Um, people, they don't believe the same things, they don't practice their Judaism, uh, Judaism's the same way, okay? Pharisees generally ascribe to the, the uh, traditions of the elders, okay? So the scripture plus how are we going to obey these things, while the Sadducees don't give the time of day to anything, you know, if you don't have chapter and verse, I don't want to hear it, kind of, kind of people, Pharisees believe in the resurrection of the dead at the end of Paul's life, life and, and ministry, he he looks at the Pharisees, looks at the governor, and says, "I have the same hope of these men that there will be a resurrection of the dead." Sadducees don't. Okay, like you die, that's it. Pharisees are in a negative light; they they are trusting in their piety to bring about the redemption and the promises. Sadducees are in a negative light, trusting in either their political uh, or military prowess to bring about the redemption. Okay, though it's a different kind of redemption without a, a resurrection. Okay, Fair, or Sadducees are not zealots, right? Zealots walk around with their sword because they're ready to do this thing now, but they would be sympathetic to him. Like, okay, we get enough zealots, maybe we'll throw in our lot with them, okay? But both groups, totally opposite groups, have a contention with Jesus, right? It's the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of thing. So for today's purposes, it's important to note that both groups, based on how I describe them, both groups have given up hope uh, on Israel's God to come through for them, okay? God's not going to bring about the redemption. We're going to do it in our strength and our power. They don't believe God to be 
faithful. And so at the end of, of Matthew, Matthew 24, uh, Jesus is kind of barbing at those guys. Hey, don't go out in the desert looking for a Messiah out there who's going to lead a political or military movement. Don't look into the temple where deals are going on uh, in the inner rooms to bring about the redemption. That's not how it's going to happen because their hope is not in the Lord. Okay, it, it's somewhere else. And so the issue here and, and the thrust of the whole passage is unbelief. They don't believe God to be faithful to do what he promised. And this is shown by the description of what they're doing when they come together against Jesus. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees approached Jesus and they tested him, asking him to show them a sign from heaven. If that sounds familiar, it's because it is. We saw this movie in Matthew chapter 12. Okay, There it's just the Pharisees, though. Now they've got both asking for a sign. Both groups doing the same thing. And the word test there, they're not sincerely testing Jesus. Okay, Like this isn't a sincere Jesus. Can you just show us a sign? God, if you'll just show us a sign, we'll believe. Okay, The Lord loves that. All right. If you come to God in sincerity and humility saying, God, I just need something to, to keep going and run the race and finish this thing. The Lord loves that. He didn't always give a sign, but he he loves that. This is not that. OK, this is a hard heart of unbelief on display because they've seen the works of Jesus. They've seen signs from heaven already. All right. Lord, show us a sign and then we'll believe. And he's I've. You've seen them. Okay, you've shown them. Uh, Jesus turns water into wine. John 2, he heals the official son. John 4, drives out the evil spirit in Capernaum. Mark 1, heals Peter's mother-in-law. Matthew 8, catches all those fish. Matthew 8, cleanses the man with lepra. Matthew 8, heals the centurion servant. Matthew 9, heals the paralytic, lowered through the roof. Matthew 9, feeds 5,000 Jews. Matthew 14, heals the Canaanite woman's daughter. Matthew 15, and feeds over 4,000 Gentiles. Matthew 15, okay? He's done the sign bit, all right? You've seen signs from heaven. So this is not a matter of, Lord, sincerely, we just want to see a sign and we'll believe you. This is a matter of we've given up on the promises of God based on our current circumstances. And we're putting our trust somewhere else, either in ourselves or in the gods of the nations. Okay? And the reason they're acting this way and responding this way to Jesus is because of how things have played out for the Jewish people. Okay, Israel is not dwelling in the land in safety as promised to Abraham and and to David. Herod, rather than a son of David, is seated on the throne in Jerusalem. Right. That's that's promise. The temple, um, it's big and impressive at this point. It's not filled with the glory of the Lord. As it was promised and from that temple, the glory of the Lord is not covering the earth as the waters cover the sea as was promised. So on and on and on. They've got all of these promises and none of them are happening. None of them are going on. And so because of that, these groups are exhibiting unbelief. They say, hey, show us a sign. We'll, we'll do the bit. They don't trust in God anymore. So they're testing him. Okay, they're, they're putting him to the test. And in doing so, in calling for a sign in, in, in unbelief and not in belief, they act like their unrighteous, unbelieving ancestors did. Okay? Jesus has seen this movie before in the wilderness. Verse 4, Jesus calls them and says, An evil and adulterous generation demands a sign, 
after they've seen them over and over and over and over and over. Show us a sign. This evil and adulterous generation language is meant to purposefully tie uh, this group to how, how the generation of the Israelites acted uh, in the wilderness when they came out of Egypt. Okay, so do you know this story, how the Israelites came out of Egypt? I'm going to tell you anyway. Okay. All right. So God promised Abraham, Abraham, you, all, the, all these blessings through you, all the nations will be blessed. And he promised Abraham, hey, after you die, right, I like you, after you die, your children will go into a captivity for 400 years. Bummer. Then they will be delivered and then they would leave with all their captors stuff and go into the promised land. So what happened? Abraham died. Then his children went into captivity for 400 years. And then over the course of 40 days, Israel's God pummels the gods of the Egyptians with water turning into blood, uh, frog invasion, flies, dead livestock, gross boils, locusts, darkness, and the death of the firstborn for those who didn't trust in God's warning. Okay, so you've got a promise and then you've got big Loud, like bright neon sign that says God is faithful to do what he said. Okay, he's faithful to his promise. Then uh, Pharaoh lets the people go. Then they go out into the wilderness with all the Egyptian stuff, just like God told him. And for 24 days, fire follows them around at night. Not a fairy tale. Okay, very real. Fire follows them around. At night, and then during the day, a cloud follows them around. Okay? So, again, a promise, and then big, loud signs that that say, God is faithful to do what he said. Then they bump up against the Red Sea as, as Pharaoh pursues them, and then what happens? Moses lifts up his staff, and he's not Gandalf, by the way, like he's. A normal dude, okay? He lifts up his staff, and then Israel walks through the sea on dry ground. And uh, Exodus says, with walls of water on their right and, and their left. And then as Pharaoh's chariots enter the walls, they come down. So again, a, a promise, and then big, loud, bright signs that say, God is faithful To do the thing he said he would do. And so this happens, Exodus 15, the people start to sing, Lord, who's like you among the gods? Who is like you, glorious, majestic in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders, performing signs in accord to your word. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them with your faithful love. You will lead the people you have redeemed. You will guide them to your holy dwelling, which they don't know about the tabernacle yet. They don't know about the temple. Like, but you're going to guide us to your holy dwelling with whose strength? Oh, next verse is not in there. Yeah, with your strength. With your strength, the strength of God is going to complete the redemption, okay? Not the strength of Israel, not the strength of of Moses. They've heard God's word. They've seen God's faithful, mighty acts, his signs, right? Give us a sign in the past. So they believe that God will continue to lead them and guide them to the promised land. You will guide them with your strength, right? The arm of the Lord. So this... You know, if you're just reading the Bible, is just a high point in Israel's story. Like this is a, a mountain peak. They have total trust. 
total certainty in God to carry out what he has promised, okay? And so this is built on the belief of the promises that God made Abraham. Now, this generation of Moses, they're dead set on entering the promised land based on God's guidance and God's strength, okay? Like, they're like, we're all in on this until they weren't all in, (laughs) okay? Until they weren't, until some hardship happened, okay? Until they got thirsty, until they got hungry, until Moses goes up on the mountain and they're not sure he's going to come down from the thing, until they go out to spy the land and there's there be giants there, okay? They're all in on God's faithfulness until things get hard and things get difficult and it looks like oh, maybe God's not going to be faithful to his word. So it's in these moments of difficulty in Israel's story that their faith in God's trustworthiness and his reliability starts to wane. Okay, like things have gotten hard. Maybe he's not trustworthy and they start to harden their hearts and they start to not just here, but like all throughout their story. They begin to turn to the gods of the other nations to provide for them what they need. God won't provide. So we'll turn to Baal and Moloch and Marduk and and the rest. And so they begin to test God in their unbelief. Okay, you see in the parallel to Matthew 16, it's the same story. Okay, so at the end of his life. Moses sings to them, okay, Deuteronomy 32, the, the song of Moses, and he says, Jeshurun, pet name for Israel, Jeshurun grew fat and kicked, you grew fat, stout, and sleek, fat and sleek, I don't know, okay, then he forsook the God who made him, and he scoffed at the rock of his salvation, what is unbelief but a scoffing spirit, you know what I mean, like, not going to do it. Okay, God won't do what he said. It's scoffing, it's mocking. Second Peter 3, right? Where is the promise of his coming? The mockers and, and the scoffers. They stirred him to jealousy. They tested him with strange gods, with abominations they provoked. They tested him to anger. They sacrificed to demons that were no gods, to gods they had never known. So a scoffing spirit, a spirit of unbelief leads to, logically, turning to other gods. I can't trust this one. I'm going to turn to this one, whether actual gods, okay, lower lower G, gods, or the, simply the strength of, of the flesh, right? God's not going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take care of it. You were unmindful. You don't remember the rock that bore you, and you forgot the God who gave you birth. The Lord saw it and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Because of their testing and trying of him, the Lord spurned them. And he said, I will hide my face from them. To them, no sign will be given. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation. And what makes them perverse? They are children in whom there is no faithfulness. No trust. No no faith that God is is reliable. I I can count on the Lord to do the thing that he said he would do. So this is a, a heart posture, an attitude that says God is not trustworthy. He is not reliable. I cannot trust him. So with that background of Exodus and Deuteronomy and the story of Israel as a whole, do you see what Matthew's doing now in this section? Matthew 16, Jesus is saying the same things that Moses said. He's saying the same things that the Lord said to that generation. These groups who have seen and observed the works of God in Jesus, they come to test him, looking for a sign just like the generation of Moses. And so due to their hard-heartedness and due to their unbelief, Jesus calls them what Moses calls them and says, you are an evil 
an adulterous generation and no sign will be given to you. Okay? I'm going to hide my face from you except you get the sign of Jonah, which we dealt with. I'm going to go into the belly of the earth and come up three days later. Okay? So then Jesus leaves that group, hops in the boat with the disciples, and what starts to creep into their hearts? Okay? Unbelief. The same thing. <laughs> like, maybe like this is the whole challenge of this age for human beings. Okay? Unbelief starts to creep in and they start to doubt their master. They become forgetful regarding their master. Okay? Like, this is Israel's whole thing, right? You forgot the God that bore you all throughout the Psalms and even the Proverbs. What's the refrain over and over and over? Remember, 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 remember. Why? Because things are going to get hard. You're going to be tested. You'll go through trials. And your fuel to get through that thing is to think, oh, what? God made the heavens and the earth. You know what I mean? (laughs) He did that. Like, whatever's happening here is not too difficult Not too hard, and he's going to get to his appointed and desired end. So I'm just going to remember back to that thing in hope of what's what's to come. Getting ahead of myself. They're doubting in their master. They're they're forgetting. So verse 5, the disciples, they reached the other shore, and they had forgotten to take bread. And Jesus told them, watch out and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, Do do you see it? It's the same heart as the wilderness generation in the disciples. And now in the disciples, it's the same heart of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They've seen the works of God in Jesus, like on on the front row. The last two bread miracles, they participated in, right? Like Jesus is doing the miracle, and then he's handing them all, all this stuff, and they're the ones, you know what I mean? Like it's one thing to see a miracle. It's another thing to like participate in it and, and be part of what's what's happening. Okay, and and the, also just those two bread miracles. Like, what's the issue? There's a shortage of food, so what are we going to eat? You know, <laughs> watch me pull a bread out of my hat. Like, kind of kind of deal. All right. So so they participated in two miracles where the problem was there wasn't any bread. Now they get on the boat and they go, oh, guys, there's no bread. What are we going to do? So I just, Matthew's putting this together on purpose. Because again, the authors of the scriptures are brilliant. So verse 8, Jesus aware of this. They've seen the miracles, participated in the bread miracles, and now are worried about bread. Jesus aware of this said, you have little faith. You have little trust. You who have forgotten Why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Why are you discussing among yourselves that we don't have water, Moses? That we don't have food? Why, why are you discussing among yourselves that Moses has gone up upon the mountain and might not come down? Why are you discussing among yourselves that it was better in Egypt? Why, why are you discussing among yourselves that there might be giants in the land? Just the same thing. Over and over and over. Use little faith. Why are you discussing among yourselves that you do not have bread? Don't you understand? Don't you remember? Don't you remember? I said, you would go into captivity and 400 years later, I would deliver you. And I did. 
Don't, don't you remember the plagues? Don't you remember the cloud by day? Don't you remember the, the fire by night? Don't you remember how Moses, puny little Moses, lifted up his staff and the waters parted and you walked through on dry ground and you could see the fish on the side? Don't you remember that I'm faithful? Don't you remember if there's anything you need to know about Yahweh as opposed to the other gods besides his power and might and strength, you need to know he does not lie. He is faithful to do everything he said he would do. Like, like this, don't you remember? Why is it you don't understand what I told you? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. When I said that, was it about bread? It was about unbelief. They're exhibiting unbelief. Beware of not trusting in God. It it was about the lack of trust in God to follow through on his promises. And they're basing that on present circumstances. We're in a boat now without bread. And so you start to forget. Then they understood that he had not told them to beware of the leaven in the bread but of the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And what is the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees? Later in Matthew, we'll see it's tied directly to hypocrisy. We'll we'll deal with that. But here, the leaven is unbelief. Not believing God to carry out what he promised based on current circumstances. And Jesus uses sober language here. He says, beware. Okay? Not just like, hey guys, just want you to note... Okay, just going to put it out there, send an email. The leaven's bad, okay? No, Jesus says, watch out and beware, right? Like, no, this can happen. You, you've seen it in Moses' generation. You're seeing it in the Pharisees. I'm seeing it in you right now, so beware. Take note, understand that you can walk through seasons in life where it looks like God is a fraud and he will not finish what he started, okay? If you've been a, a follower of Jesus for like more than five minutes, you know this is true. You like have real high times where yes, every promise God, yes and amen, no doubt at all, going with it. And then like five minutes later, you can be like, I don't have any bread. Like humans are awful in this way. We forget and we forget and we forget and we forget. And so the Lord tells them in the boat, guys, beware, watch out for the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Listen to the author of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit says, so just a cool thing in Hebrews, by the way, you, sometimes you get the author talking, then you get the Father says, and he'll quote the Old Testament, and then he'll say, Jesus says, and here it says, the Holy Spirit says. It's a cool thing. He says, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. They come to test Jesus, where your ancestor tested me, tried me. They saw my works for 40 years. Bread's some or something's coming out of heaven and they're eating it. Okay, For 40 years I did this. Therefore, I was provoked to anger with that generation and said they always go straight in their heart. So I swore in my anger they will not enter my rest. Rest always being the land promised to Abraham. And then he gives counsel, the author of Hebrews does. Almost verbatim to what Jesus gives the disciples here, okay? Verse 12, listen. Watch out. Jesus say, watch out. Beware of the leaven, okay? Watch out, brothers and sisters, so there won't be in you any evil, unbelieving heart. Watch out. 
beware, that turns away from the living God. What did Moses' generation do? Unbelieving heart, turn from the living God. What are the Pharisees and Sadducees doing? Unbelieving heart, turning from the living God. So what does Jesus say? Beware! Be be alert for, for teaching and attitudes and postures that lead you in a way of no longer counting God as reliable. Watch out for these things. So what should we do instead? Verse 13, right? So it's not just a negative thing. It's a positive. Here's what you do. But encourage each other daily while it's still called today. While we're still in this age. While we're still in this wilderness. While we're still in this boat. While it's still called today. So that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. What's the issue of the Pharisees? Hard hearts. Deceived by the spirit of the age that God is not coming through. Because that's what it is, okay? And you know that. You know it's deception, right? If you were taking a test and the question is, is God faithful to do everything that he's promised to Eve, Abraham, David, and the prophets? You would mark yes, right? Like it's not a mental thing. It's deception in the heart. That's the issue, okay? And this life and age hits you and hits you and hits you and hits you. And mentally you go, yes, God will do this. But in your heart, you're like, eh. Maybe not. And then your actions right, flow from the heart. Maybe not. And then eventually from the heart to the mouth, you start to say and think, maybe not. And then you actually believe it. And the next test you take, you would say, yeah, maybe not. This is how it, it, it works with deception, okay? And the author of Hebrews is saying, and I'm saying, and the reason that we gather on Sunday, and the reason we gather in houses is to put courage into each other's heart, right? Encourage With the promises of God. God will come through. Okay? Jesus will come. The wicked will be punished. The righteous will be rewarded. The dead will be raised. And all things will be made new. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. Okay? So most generation, the issue is a heart hardened by the deception of sin. God won't come through. We have to find another way. And it even hits Moses at one point, right? He smashes the rock. God says water will come. And then Moses, you know what I mean? God won't come through. I'm going to do it. The Pharisees, a hard heart, deceived by sin. God won't come through. We have to find another way. Either a Messiah out in the desert or deals in the inner rooms. Jesus is warning his disciples against unbelief. He's warning them against forgetting. And the author of Hebrews here says, whoever he's writing to, to the Hebrews, okay. And, and says to us, remember Moses' generation, okay? N- know the tendency of the human heart to be deceived and, and hardened and combat that tendency. Hebrews specifically said like four different times. Combat that tendency to forget and that tendency to not trust in God in your heart and mouth and mind and all the other places by how? Gathering with the saints. So simple. It's not like... By gathering with the saints for the sole purpose of encouraging one another. Taking courage and shoving it down each other's hearts to run the race until the end. This is the medicine God gives, okay? Is Jim and Helen sitting there, right? (laughs) This is the deal. This is what we're doing. This is why we gather. Verse 14, he he keeps going. For we have become participants in Christ and his glory to to be revealed in the coming age. If we hold firmly until the end to the reality that we had at the start. Right? They're coming out of Egypt like, all your promises are yes and amen. Right? And then they're at Sinai like, well, maybe not. 
You know what I mean? If you hold firmly to the end. And so like for our context, you said a prayer and walked an aisle one time. Great. Finish the race. Like like to to the end, if we hold firmly to the reality we had at the start. Verse 15, as it is said today, if you hear his voice, what he said at the start of verse 3. Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses? Wasn't it those who saw the plagues? Who saw the plagues falling on Egypt, but in Goshen it's just like... Nice, you know, balmy, out, you know, fruity drinking a tan over here and total darkness in Egypt. They saw that. Like, where's Max? We did a Jesus Jam concert out, out at Blinn Park when I was, I don't remember, younger. Um, and we planned this event. We had... Um, we, the, the current pastor of Victory Christian Center in Tulsa, like big old, he's coming down, the worship band's coming down, and we plan this event outside. I never do this, by the way. Um, and the, the weather that, that week is just like, this is not happening, okay? So we pull the stuff out, and, and, and we've got the trailer, and if you think these subs are big, the old ones we had, they weighed like, they were like elephants. We got them all out there, and uh, Justin Service and Caleb and Dalton White go out to Blue Park, and they start praying, like, God, we've planned this event, we've worked on this thing, kids are coming, and if you had, you know, the iPhones just out then, and we're looking at the radar, and all around Tonkawa, it's just green, you know, and Tonkawa is this sunny little thing, and we had had the event, did all, you know what I mean, like, so they've seen stuff way cooler than that, you know what I mean, like, they, they've seen... All the stuff, those who came out of Egypt under Moses. But who was God angry with for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness, right? Because of unbelief, they didn't get to enter. And whom did he swear they would not enter his rest, if not those who disobeyed? So we see they were unable to enter. Why? Unbelief, the leaven of the Pharisees, the Sadducees. They, they came out under Moses. They've seen what God has done in the past. And their current circumstances say, I can't trust God for the future. Okay, over and over and over. And this is what's, what's happening. God's not reliable. So into verse 4 of Hebrews, therefore, since the promise to enter his rest remains. Is Israel in the land in peace and safety now? Right? No. Since this remains, let us beware, just as Jesus said, that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news, just as they did. (laughs) But the message they heard in the wilderness did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it. Not in unbelief. They were united with those who heard it in in faith. Because there's a remnant in Moses' generation, right? Who does get to enter the promised land because they held on in faith. Moses, Joshua, well, Moses, all right. Joshua and Caleb get to get to go in. And so Jesus says, beware of this. The author of Hebrews says, beware of this. Moses said, beware of this. And I want to say the same. Beware of unbelief creeping in. And I think like Levin is so accurate here because this is how unbelief works. 
We don't wake up one day and say, you know what? I no longer believe the gospel. And just go. That's not how it happens. Okay, we don't wake up one day and think, I I no longer think that it's worth it to follow Jesus. It's no longer worth it to to love God and love my neighbor and, and, and pray and fast and serve the Lord. It's no longer worth it. That's not how it works. It's just not. It's not how life works. Rather, like leaven, trials and tribulations and, 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 and hard periods of life so doubt in our hearts slowly over time. And if you take enough hits in this age, which you, you people under 45... Bless God that you are part of a congregation with older saints who have taken the hits in this age and have, and have followed through. Thank you. If you take enough hits in this age without the, the prescribed medicine of encouragement from the local church exhorting you every day, as long as it's called today, to, to believe in the promises to Eve to crush the serpent and the, and the promise to Abraham to, that all the nations will be blessed and the promise to David that a son of David will rule the nations in righteousness. If you don't have that over and over and over, that leaven is allowed to grow and grow and grow and grow until eventually you say the things I said. I don't believe the gospel anymore. Right? Sam says, how can so much bad happen? Right? Like, like, I don't believe it anymore. And eventually over time, that leaven grows and grows and grows. You say, you know what? It is not worth it to follow Jesus anymore. It's not worth it to be part of a church anymore because those people. You know what I mean? Like, like you get there. Uh Lewis wrote, the safest road to hell is a gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts like leaven. It is slow. And so this is the ballgame. Okay? Like, this is the whole life of faith. This is the whole fight of faith. Can you trust in the promises of God when the current circumstances look like he won't come through? Can you, can you trust God when you haven't had water in a while? Can you trust God when you get in the boat and there's not any bread there? Like, can, can you do it? Can you count God to be reliable? Like, that he didn't lie to Abraham and he didn't lie to David. He didn't lie to the prophets. He didn't lie to his son. Can you do that? Well, you should. You should count God as reliable. Verse 2 says that we received the same good news that the wilderness generation did. Okay, so what is that news? News about the restoration of all things, the re-eatening of the earth, and the overturning of death. They knew about it. We've received the same good news. But because they did not remember what God had done, okay, because they didn't look back on the past and see, God, you did the Red Sea, unbelief crept into their hearts. They're, to meant, they're meant to look back at the Exodus to remind them that God would come through. They received the same good news. I'll tell you, our, our certainty in the good news, our reliability in the good news is even better than the wilderness generation. Because where they're looking back at the Red Sea parting and plagues coming out of Egypt and, and the cloud by day and fire by night, we look back at all of those things plus an empty tomb. You know what I mean? Like there's not a dead body in the dirt. He was raised from the dead. As confirmation that everything he promised to Eve will come true. Death will be overturned. The serpent's head will be crushed. Why do I know that? Because there's an empty tomb. 
You know what I mean? Like the, the dead will be raised. All those that we've lost to the curse of death in the resurrection, we say with confidence, I'm going to see them again in glory without sickness and sadness and disease and death. Like this is the promise that we have. Not to diminish the parting of the Red Sea, but there's not a body in the dirt anymore. And so until he comes... We give ourselves to trusting God's promises in the midst of difficulty, looking back to the cross for the forgiveness of our sins, looking back to the empty tomb as confirmation will be raised from the dead and forward to the day that he takes his seat in Jerusalem. Hebrews 10.32 to close. Amanda, if you will come help us, please. Yet a little while, the coming one will come and he will not delay, but my righteous one shall live by And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. We're not. Okay? Members of Christian Life Church, we are not those who shrink back. We believe. We are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith and so preserve their souls. Okay? So beware the leaven. It's real. It creeps in over time. Get in a house church, get in a Sunday school, get in a Sunday morning. You can slap you and say, hey, believe the promises of God. Okay? Beware the leaven. Cling to God. Gather with the church. Now is not always. Things won't be this way forever. God will come through. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your reliability, your certainty. Thank you for your past acts. That show you to be true. That show you to not be a liar. The Red Sea was parted. Plagues did come down on Egypt. You did bring Israel into the promised land. You did exile from the land. You brought them back into the land. You exiled from the land. God, you, you, you do what you say you will do. Jesus, you said, after the Son of Man must suffer many things, be killed, and after three days rise, and you did it. And so this is our confidence. This is our certainty. This is how we prove you to be reliable. So I ask this morning, God, by the Spirit, you would pour courage into our hearts to believe, to trust in your promises. And God, we ask you, not like the Pharisees and Sadducees, we ask you in sincerity, God, to to send signs to remind us that these things are true. God, we ask you that as we pray uh, uh, for, for people to be healed, they're healed. As a confirmation that the resurrection will come. God, we ask for signs, not in unbelief, but but in belief, God, to stir us on and, and keep us on the path. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If you're if you're here today and you think everything I said uh, is total garbage, but you're interested, um, <laughs> Uh, talk to me after after worship today. Uh, talk to any of our elders or the guys who will be at the front. Or if you're sitting next to a member of our church, say, hey, what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to trust in Jesus? What does it mean to, to repent of my sins and, and do this thing? Don't leave today not talking to them. Okay? All right. So if our elders will, will come forward.